This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Sir, and with another installation of the Driven Society podcast, and we are all grateful that we're alive and living and able to be here. Um, we have a Absolutely. really amazing guest, uh, somebody who's running a crazy marathon right now, but we thank him for being here with us. <laughs> uh, the head of growth uh, at Aglet, uh, Mr. Azim Khan. Yo, thank you for having yes, me, guys. Definitely, definitely, man. We um, um, we love featuring for this podcast is people who are, you know, just on the cusp of all the innovative um, ideas, concepts, and technology, culture, music, art. Um, and, you know, I've known you for quite some time now. Yeah. You've been in been different years. rooms together <laughs> yeah. in different places, you know what I mean? Um, and you've always been what I describe you as almost like a, a cultural architect where you know, you're, um, um, you've been in the rooms of help building a lot of tech platforms, um, mm-hmm. your ideas ha- and, and concepts have helped driven different monetizing business models. You've been, you've been across the board and you've actually been in um, a lot of cultural spaces that people probably don't even know about, you know what I mean? So yeah. when you were telling me about this app that you were working on and like the, the idea behind it, I, f- I thought it was, it was brilliant. And also like, just to see you guys growth. And, um, you know, one thing we don't really talk about, like we've seen the sneaker culture, how it has evolved over the years to like, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a billion dollar industry right now. Multi-billion. I mean, I think StockX alone is like the, or the resale market is a multi-billion dollar industry, but like, yeah. wow. like footwear itself is like a multi-hundred billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. so to see, you know, the innovative ways that people are making approach into this um into the sneaker industry and um and really like just making an impact is is so interesting you know it makes um it makes one just open your mind and make you think that anything is possible so yeah i would love for you to you know please tell us what aglet is matter of fact if you could even take it a little back tell us about who you are um and what you do at aglet and we'll go from there yeah man uh so my my background doesn't really add up to where i'm at at the moment but I got a bachelor's and a master's in bio. I was going to go to medical school. I uh, got into medical school and chose not to go. I ran the Boston Marathon that had the bombings. And just, wow. yeah, I just reassessed wow. life. Uh, I was working at a biotech company at the time. The company eventually ended up selling for $175 million. I quit before I had vested my equity. I always think, man, you should have just stayed a couple more months. But I always tell you, Trav. <laughs> yo, yo, I was just like, like, just should have stayed a couple more months. I was employee number one at the spot, uh, wow. but I just, but I just didn't. And so, yeah, I was at a biotech company at the time doing antibody sequencing research and work and, mm. and was, a, a yeah, in the middle of applications to med school, but had been working on an app part-time just for fun. It was an app that allowed people to buy and sell photos they take on their smartphones. And after the marathon and living in Boston at the time, I was just like, life is way too short to do something I don't absolutely love. And I don't really want to go to medical school. Science is fun, but I don't want to do this. And jumped off into this startup. We hadn't raised funding. And Real just quick, how like, did your family and friends take that? Know that you oh, were- oh, man, my mom, my mom still makes jokes. Uh, it's been a little while since she jokes? did this. Oh yeah. Cause like, so like, okay, you got off easy. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I mean the, the, the disappointment is there, but the jokes is, uh, 
one day I was like, it's been a minute, but I was like, you know, mom, one day I'm going to buy the New York Knicks. And she looks at me and she goes, yeah, but you still won't be a doctor. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. you got to give it up. Traditional parents, they don't play. Like, nah, not at all. Uh, not at all. It, it was another time I was like, mom, I think I'm going to be retired by 40. And she looks at me and she goes, oh, then you could go to medical school. <laughs> wow. You know, no, so nothing, <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing. There's literally, there's no way around it. And so, yeah. I mean, look, she's a, she's a traditional Pakistani woman who moved mm. here from Pakistan before, like a year before I was born. Mm. Uh, and, and honestly, like I used to not understand it, uh, but, but I actually get now why, why parents just immigrant parents are so big on these specific professions something i've thought a lot about and i think it's just because of the fact that from the countries they come from the people who made it out or made it and did well in those countries were people who were of these professions and so people who came to the united states and happened to to be physicians those are the people that after they moved here and were struggling as immigrants they looked around and were like my friend dr so-and-so they were doing really well and they bought a benz before anybody else they got the nice house in the suburbs along before anyone else and so them that's what pushing, they equate as that's it, right? Is to them is those things mean success because their life experiences have taught them that if you did those things, you would be successful. And and it still is very much so prestigious and respectful and earn earn a stable income. There's nowhere in the world you can go where they don't need doctors, so you'll never be unemployed, right? There's a lot of really good reasons to do so. So when I was younger, I didn't really get it, uh, and I would just be like, "Not everyone should have to be a doctor," uh, but now I understand. It was more so for for my own good that they were trying to push this on me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, ended up ended up deciding I wasn't going to go to med school. Jumped into this startup where we didn't have funding. Ended up raising funding within a couple of months because we just hustled press like hell. Every Boston media outlet had covered us in a span of like two and a half months, raised angel money and went about just just the typical startup route. Though This was back in 2012, 2013 when all this stuff was much less mature. This was before Facebook had IPO'd and, mm-hmm. and it was a long time ago, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, now, like at that point, I was like, okay, let me do the, let me do this, this route. Did it for about a year, differences with my founders, ended up leaving and starting a consultancy of my own because I'd learned so many skills, just like you guys have from sales, marketing, PR, business development, everything that just comes with running your own stuff. And I yep. just started reaching out to other founders who I saw had raised money on TechCrunch or VentureBeat, wherever I'd go. And I would just reach out because everyone's email is always just first name at whatever.com. Yeah. You know, like uh, it's literally always that. So I started reaching out and just built a consultancy based off that and spent some time doing that. And then a friend of mine in Los Angeles had hacked one of the Kardashians apps, found like a security flaw in it. And because of that, he started having a lot of inbound for building apps and websites for ballplayers, for rappers, for things like that. Mm. And so him and I partnered together and I was like, look, dude, I'm, I'm doing the whole business side of things already. Why don't we just add a development component to it? And we could start doing both things. And based off that, we ended up building a dev shop where we did work for Kanye. We did stuff for Tiana Taylor, wow. Bryce Remmerd, Bryson Tiller, uh, Dreamville Records. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was fun. And I'd already been developing relationships in the music industry because soon after the marathon, I started writing with the Huffington Post based on an article that they had 
they'd been looking for people to speak about what their experiences were like in the Boston lockdown. And I just submitted something that was like, you know, as a Pakistani American Muslim mm. who was a victim and not a suspect in all of this, I think it's an interesting time for us to not point fingers just because yeah. you're Muslim doesn't mean that you're the bad guy in this. It did, re- it did really well. And they gave me a platform. And around the time I was leaving that startup of mine in early 2014, I was just like, yo, I'm a huge hip hop fan. This is a platform that artists other than at the time, Lil Wayne, Drake, Jay-Z, Kanye, other than that, artists don't get any any love on this platform what i could do as a contributor is just start reaching out to artists and just like i know all the information and i can put a nice interview together and it started with reaching out to yogadi's it was one random day in february of 2014 i reached out to yogadi's team and fabulous's team and yogadi's team responded and it just sort of went from there i just started doing interviews to the point Bun B, Talib Kweli, Big Sean, T.I. Like I've got wow. to meet everyone in the industry. Uh, Memphis Bleak, Emery Jones, Kareem Biggs Burke. Like I did interviews with all these people, got to meet everybody. And it was just like a side thing for fun. It was just like, I'm just a huge hip hop fan. Like uh, when I interviewed Bleak, I'd, I'd been like, hey, can you bring the Rockefeller chain? And when we took a picture together afterwards, I got to wear the Rockefeller chain. Like, oh, nice. in, in, yeah, like in what other world am I going to get to have the Rockefeller chain, you know? So basically yeah fast forward in that uh i'd worked with bryant biggs uh over at rock nation on putting together an esports company called unanimous games for a couple of years and ended up leaving cordial terms everything really good fun time but just wanted to find like something new something exciting and was looking to potentially raise money for a company of my own and ended up uh actually speaking to an investor who'd said you know, I was a little early in investment for what he was looking to invest in, but that he had invested in a company recently that he thought my background relationship experiences would be really good to just just chat with and see, even though I wasn't looking for a job at the time, just like, you know, I think this could be something cool for you to, to talk with the founders. At the time they were in stealth, this was end of February, and they hadn't announced anything, got in touch with the CEO, Ryan. And we just had a couple conversations where I was just like, I love this idea. Let's do it. And the concept is essentially Pokemon Go meets a virtual footlocker where wow. your, your physical movement in terms of steps get converted into in-game currency called Aglet. Aglet, by the way, are the little plastic nice. tips. Yep, exactly, at the tips of sneakers. So you earn Aglet as you take steps, uh, all of the shoes in the game by virtually wearing sneakers you have an earn rate and all the shoes have a durability. So for every thousand steps you take, you earn aglet. And what you can do with that aglet is then go into the shop and then collect different virtual sneakers to stock your shelf. And there's a a, a portion within it that's an explore page. And the explore page within here auto-populates repair stations, dead stock stations, and treasure stashes onto a map that you can then go to. So it sort of gamifies the real world. Like you can be like, oh shit, I'm going to go to the dead stock station at this place to repair my red Octobers, or there's a treasure stash over there. I'm going to go to the treasure stash today. I've spoken to a lot of families who go aglet hunting with their kids. Uh, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who've said that this has significantly increased the amount they walk because it's become a fun pedometer. So people use it in different ways. At the same time, we want to bring the digital and the physical together. So we've been giving away in, in over the next 12 months, we're going to be giving away a hundred thousand dollars worth of shoes on the app. Wow. No purchase, no purchase necessary. Just play 
when you open a stash, you might get a notification that you're being sent a pair of, I had to order a pair for a kid in Philly, a pair of Jordan 1s that arrived from StockX last week. So regular stuff, which are general releases, but then also just more hype releases as well, where we're just giving sneakers away and there's nobody else doing anything like this. Wow, that's Man, fire. Do you, you guys have a, I know, right? Like, well, that's a lot to um, um, even, um, um, <laughs> yeah. just even like your, your come up has been um, crazy. Like I remember your Huffington Post uh, articles mm-hmm. um, and I think that was just an amazing strategic way to leverage that platform to be able to add more value to yourself in the marketplace. Yep. Um, and that's yep. something that all the creatives and, you know, um, um, entrepreneurs and um, people who are trying to come up or in our audience, like that's something you can definitely learn from is how to leverage other platforms to create value for yourself in the marketplace. hundred percent. You know what I thought when I was trying to build relationships in music, one thing I thought a lot about was when people go to anybody in the music industry, they go to them with their hand out asking for something. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to do that ever. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to them putting something into their hands. So I'm going to say, this is a look that you're not normally going to get. And I'm not going to give you some sort of terrible interview. I remember the day that I interviewed Jermaine Dupri at the end of the call, he thanked me because he was like, thank you for not asking me about Janet Jackson. And I was like, mm. I don't care that you dated Janet. That that wasn't ever on my mind about, we just talked about how he's super interested in the tech world. And so for each of the people that I interviewed, it was important to me to offer something in the form of the interview. And then also I didn't, I wasn't an, an artist. I wasn't a manager. I wasn't a publicist, nothing for me. It was just, I just want to strategically build relationships over a long period of time so that at some point, yeah, I just want to grab coffee with you. Give me some advice. And we would just chat. And the things that I learned just being around and the relationships I built because people knew I didn't need anything ended up being the things that actually got me everything that I would have needed to ask for. Mm. Yeah, that's that's sensational. Can you um tell us, in terms of your pivots... Mm-hmm. Have they always, I mean, they sound seamless. I imagine they weren't, but no, definitely not. <laughs> what, do you, do you have like a formula for like pivoting? Because, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of our, our, our listeners, they're probably in that um, season right now, mm-hmm. you know, given the whole climate or what have you, what are some things that you should look for when you're choosing that next, you know, move or step? Man, one of the things that's really scary I've found is that declaring that you're good at something before you've proven it is one of the scariest things in the world to do because when you're, when you want to make these seamless transitions and these jumps, which they're never seamless, but it requires a level of self-confidence that is really difficult to come by. And it's just because it's like, you know, I was in biotech. uh, I did my master's thesis on human genome sequencing and was working at with a professor at Harvard Medical School on it. And so everything about it made sense to be like, why would you ever leave this? But for me, it was just like my gut was just like, I, I just feel like I should do this. And my excitement at what the possibilities of winning look like far surpassed my fear of what failure looked like. And so I was just sort of like, I'll figure it out. 
And I've learned to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's been the most important thing throughout all of this has been the idea of learning to be comfortable, knowing I will be uncomfortable. And I just always equate it to the fact that like, if you want to be able to fly high, you have to be okay with the fact that there's going to be turbulence. Like there's no way to fly high without turbulence. And I've always just believed no matter what the worst case scenario could be that my mind might be able to make up, statistically speaking, worst case scenarios don't happen. So I've always just sort of been like, I'll figure it out as I go. Like, do I still have a shelter over my head? Do I still like, do I still have food on my plate? And there's definitely a lot of people who aren't privileged enough to have even certain things like that. And I can't speak to that. But for the things that I've had, it's just been a lot of just believing in myself enough. There's, there's never been the only person in my life who funny enough hasn't told me you're crazy, uh, has been my mother, uh, my, my ex-wife, my siblings, my best friends, uh, business acquaintances. There's been a point where every single one of the most trusted people in my life have told me, yo, like, what are you doing? Like, go get a regular job or go, go do X, Y, Z. And the people I would count on, the people I would trust on. Uh, but I also always had to remember, you know, I didn't take offense to it because most people, they don't, they don't follow their own dreams, right? Like, or they don't support their own dreams. How could I expect them to support mine? And so it just, it just has always taken like a level of like, without having to like outwardly, I don't believe in like outward arrogance. I feel like if, if I really feel that way, I just, I move accordingly. And for me, it's just been like, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'll figure it out. And usually like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like when I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go from biotech to tech. I'm going to, now I'm going to build apps and websites for people. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do esports now. Like I literally am always just like, Google is my friend, bro, as Jay-Z would say. <laughs> Word. Um, speaking even of getting into the tech space, like you see, I feel like, you know, my 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 lens on the on the on the space as far as like what industries can be a gold mine. Like I looked at the music industries in the early two thousands and nineties when the sense was a gold mine, right? Like, you know, yep. Hove, not Hove, but well, Hove had a few deals, but um Diddy he got 40 $40 million check from Clive Davis and mm-hmm. or if God, he ran it up and what well, these were gold mines where you get to come in with, yep. as long as you have the product that worked, yep. you can run it up. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And not many industries were like that. Um, music industry now has kind of like fizzled out as far as like those oh, type yeah. of checks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's kind of shifted to the tech industry, right? Absolutely. You see all these companies, raising millions and millions of dollars. And if you really think about it, in the music industry is the same thing because it's not worded as like these these CEOs raised millions of dollars. You hear that they did a deal, da, 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 but a lot of that money has to be recouped from mm-hmm. artists, a lot of that. Same thing Terrible like, interest rates. Terrible exactly. interest rates. Exactly. Um, so for the tech industry being this new gold rush or whatnot, and you, know, you see a lot of ideas come into the marketplace. Some do good, some do really mm-hmm. great, a lot fail. Yeah. What would you say are the um, um, what what is a few principles or pillars that people should be thinking about before they get into the tech space before they have this great idea for an app, um, and and um and put it out there and invest in put it out there. What are some things they should be thinking about before they before going that route? 
Honestly, one thing that's always been important to me is just like reading white papers. There's so many of them for free. When I got into esports, I was like, let me find everything I can to read because people much smarter than me have done all of the research and compiled it into this 64 page document. Mm. And it might take me some time to read this 64 page document. But once I do, I'm going to know so much more. And it's any industry that I'm interested in, you know, the block does a really good one on cryptocurrency. Uh, like they, they do excellent research on that. So you just sign up for their newsletter and just taking time and respecting whatever it is that you're going into to give it the time to learn about it, to read about it. I find way too often people will be like, I want to build an app for going clubbing and I think it would be great. And they give themselves confirmation bias as to why it would be great. But for the most part, like the most boring shit in the world is the stuff that makes mad money. Like, like I have no idea who makes elevator buttons, but like whoever's company makes elevator buttons, like they must be a billion dollar company. Like the YK, I think it's YKK, like on all zippers, like they're, they're a billion dollar company and they just make zippers. And so the same way in the software industry, I think everyone always sort of goes to like the glitz and glamor of things. Whereas to me, it's been like, where are the places that things need to be done where there's paying customers that want their lives made a little bit easier. And that's always the place to look. And the information is all out there. I mean, Right now, one of the industries that's just killing it and has been for years with double digit growth across the board is esports, is gaming. You know, like mobile gaming as a whole makes more than the film and the music industry combined year on year, every year. So, like, there's like, and, and it's easy stuff to find. And you look at the growth trajectories on it and you're like, I don't have to own an esports team and be Robert Kraft to be able to get involved in an industry that's growing at double digit percentages every year. And all of this information is out there for free. Mm. I, I want to uh, segue a little bit to Aglet, man. Yeah. Um, just a question I had. It's, it's such an interesting concept, right? Because speaking as a kid that, or as a man who was a kid, <laughs> um, who wasn't able to afford the like the the hot sneakers or whatever right it seems like this offers kind of like an on-ramp for a a child of that you know um socioeconomic background to be able to participate in the hype 100 can can you can you speak to the the on-ramps of of yeah honestly we've actually found a lot of people who are like, I couldn't cop this in real life, but at least I could get it in Aglet. Whether it's an even more recent releases, the Chunky Dunkies that came out, the Jordan 1 Dior's that came out. I mean, like those are shoes that are retailing, reselling afterwards for $1,500, $10,000. Like not even just like people of certain socioeconomic backgrounds, like who has access to a pair just casually of $1,500 shoes and $10,000 shoes what this has done is for so many kids that are playing the app, we we hear it on our discord, on our Instagram is that it gives them an access to be able to partake in and feel like they have ownership of something that they appreciate. But even if they might not get a chance to own the physical one that they at least get to take part in being able to discuss it, collect it, talk about it with their friends and sort of find their own way into having some of these goods that otherwise they're just not going to. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to piggyback with that. Um, how much of this is because this is like very like forward looking, mm-hmm. right? Ryan, who's the CEO, like brilliant dude. 
brilliant dude and came up with the concept uh couldn't give him more credit because like absolutely super forward thinking idea yeah is is there gonna be any because you mentioned it a little bit in uh trav no cryptocurrency my my mm-hmm. jam at least for now um is there gonna be any space for that in the future in terms of like tokenization um we've discussed it we've definitely discussed being able to put the shoes onto the blockchain uh and being able to tokenize things and create a marketplace for them we want to create just a regular marketplace for the shoes that we have now but Mm -hmm. you know it's something where after a further raise we recently completed a seed round for 1.8 million Mm -hmm. but after we've done a series a and can really put money towards what the future of things look like right now it's building out growth a product roadmap and getting things going that makes sense to get us to series a but that's definitely i mean ryan's a huge crypto person he was he was doing mining back in like 2012 so like he's yeah he's really in it is it a hard sell like when you're sitting down in in a vc meeting or what have you and Cause this is largely like culture. I mean, I, I imagine that mm-hmm. we're, we're far enough now in the, in the present of things that people can understand. It's not like this is 95 and you're going to like yeah. Warren Buffett's office to talk about sneakers. But at the same time though, like with culture, um, product and the business of the product, is it a tough sell to explain to somebody like, Hey, this is just like more so IP. This is this is kind of like it's 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 quote unquote fairy dust. How yeah. how do you how do you um, is it a tough sell or is it We've, kind of like they get it? You know, Ryan Ryan was one very fortunate and two very skilled in pitching Lake Star Ventures for a, a pre seed round of money back in October of 2019. But since then, honestly, uh, while I would say that a lot of investors just straight laugh at you when you go to them with this, the thing that there's no getting around is the user numbers, the retention numbers, the number of people that are actually actively playing, the time spent on the game, the money being spent in the game. And then even the press that we've been getting, we've been very fortunate to get some really good press. Uh, I'm the one who reaches out to all the media outlets and just been lucky that they've been willing to cover it and find fun angles to be able to do stuff from Forbes to TechCrunch to Vogue Business to Business Insider to High Stability. A lot of these major outlets are giving us the credibility. And so that's definitely helped a lot as well when speaking to investors. Mm. Absolutely. Since um, Aglis plays in the virtual space, right? And obviously virtual is being enhanced more than ever and amplified more than ever than before. Yeah. Um, where do you see the physical world connecting with Aglet? Like, I would love to, you know, just, you know, hear if guys have, um, if they're, in, you know, future, there's like, there'll be potential partnerships with like a Nike or maybe experiences where these virtual people who get these virtual sneakers can now absolutely then trade it into actual physical experiences or physical product as well. So where do you see that connection? Already in the midst of them. Uh having phone calls, sending proposals, getting those things done. None that I can publicly discuss at the moment, but, uh, but, you know, having spent a lot of time within the music industry for the past couple of years, one of the things that's been really good is being able to go straight to people who can help make these kinds of things happen and getting them to see it. And honestly, one of the things that we're really big on is getting people to question the, like almost the, 
what it means for something to be real. That's another thing I'd say, mm. like, mm. like what, what does it mean for something to be real? Uh, is that a lot of people who are, I'd say 40 plus look at us like we're crazy when we say we right. sell virtual sneakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to the young kids who are playing, these shoes are very real. Right. And, and so sort of like not only merging the digital and the physical, but also making people question the difference between digital and physical. I mean, it's part of why we're giving away so many physical sneakers within the app. We want people to be able to actually get physical goods while playing within the digital world. But at the same time, I mean, we're all around the same age when we were growing up to get a pair of Jordans, or if you're older and can afford it, if you want a Rolex or a Ferrari, like there's no difference between a Ferrari and a Kia. There's no difference between a Rolex and a Timex. There's no difference between Jordans and some ugly Reeboks, no offense to Reebok, right? Uh, but to there, there are status conferring things where it's like, if you drive a, a Ferrari, it's a status conferring thing. If you have a certain job title, it, it confers a certain status to you in your social circle. And that's the thing that makes these things real, right? Otherwise, like when we were younger, our parents were like, what do you mean? You, Sean John, you don't need Sean John jeans, jeans or jeans. You need like, two pairs of shoes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, what do you mean you need two pairs? Okay. Uh, and so like, it's the same thing as like, people are like, these digital things aren't real, uh, but in a way it's the same thing. But when you speak to these younger kids, to them, it's like, if you're the most fly in Fortnite, you're a cool person in school. Like you're cooler. Like if you have the normal outfit in Fortnite, like you get played and clowned at school now. And so, wow. yeah. So it's something where having your digital representation of yourself be cool is just as important as having the physical representation be cool. So how is that not real in that sense? I mean, I even know for myself, like I love call of duty, like I've recently bought a, a pack of guns on, on Call of Duty that ends up making the bullets that come out like pink light comes out like tracer bullets. And like, I think that shit's the coolest thing in the world. I spent 10 bucks on that. That's the best $10 I've spent in a long time. Like <laughs> it, it adds nothing to my life. But to me, like, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible, man. And that kind of like even, um, just kind of tiptoes into like um, Bostrom's theory about like, are we even here, right? Like, yeah. is, is this all like a yeah. projection? So yep. with that that kind of like um, introduced introduces that conversation, but in a mm -hmm. in a really swaggy way. I, I definitely like that. Um, you know, even to your point, just really briefly, um, it, would there be any? I mean, this is probably a, a little bit further ahead, but would there be any transition in the future to more? Um, Kind of like a rob report of aglet where you have like exclusive items or like exclusive watches or we've discussed it man we've discussed it it's something for the future currently one of the things that we really want to use the potential when we get the series a for though is going into full augmented reality i like like mm. we all discussed the idea of you know if you if we go full ar and you walk by the statue of liberty and you pull out the app and you open it and you look at the Statue of Liberty and it's wearing a Yankee fitted that we put there, you should be able to purchase the Yankee fitted right from there. Or if it's wearing a Supreme t-shirt, you should be able to purchase it right from there. Mm. And how that opens up location-based commerce and advertising in some amazing ways, because then sneaker drops, uh, like artists doing some interesting 
like fan engagement things for dropping music videos. Like there are so many things that open up for you to be able to say, like, if you want to unlock this, you have to go to this location. It's not just go to the store. It's not just sit on your computer and figure out how to buy a bot. It's like, you know, we can create a scavenger hunt for, and whoever wins the scavenger hunt ends up being able to get whatever item it is. So for us, like, that's one of the things we're thinking, but really big for us is like figuring out how to go into this, location-based commerce and advertising augmented reality world, which even further like puts like what is real then? Cause it's like, if it's there and it's superimposed on real life through the digital world, like the way Pokemon go has been doing, it's just like a fun mind fuck basically. You know, what's so interesting about that. Cause that shit is definitely the wave of the future. The future is definitely, definitely. Um, trending that way. Um, but even after the success of Pokemon Go, you haven't had many companies or apps that's like duplicated that experience. Like Pokemon Go was a a mass success it's, across it's the board. Like it was, a, it still is. They just had their biggest half year ever. Pokemon no Go's, yeah. They uh, as of June, they had their biggest half year since they launched in 2016. They've done somewhere between three and four billion dollars of revenue since they launched in 2016. Crazy, because I feel like yeah. it's been it's been quieter in the, Exa- in the media, and, but exactly, mm. exactly. But they did their biggest half year ever just now. Wow, yeah. that's very and, and there's and it really gets you to uh, look at the market segments, right? Because you have like the the first adopters and we remember the frenzy mm-hmm. um, that it was. Where, where, what space would you say that Aglet is in right now? Is it in the frenzy space? Is it in the no? We're we're in the we're in the slow growth phase. We mm-hmm. like we're 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 doing well. User count is good. But like we haven't seen rocket ship growth by any means. We're not at 10 million users. And honestly, we don't want to get there that quickly either. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's something where we want to make sure that we grow the right way because a lot of people who grow too quickly end up falling apart because when you're growing too fast, there are just so many things that slip through the cracks. Whereas for mm-hmm. us, the way we've been growing slow and consistently, and not to say completely slow, we have six-figure user base but and within less than five months, which is really phenomenal growth, but it's not 10 million users by any means. And so for us, definitely not a frenzy and we're okay not ever really being a frenzy. This is something where the people who use it and like it really love it. And it's been something that word of mouth has really been good for. Uh, mm. We haven't done like major Facebook advertising or advertising as a whole. It's been a lot of organic user growth with people saying, wait, that sounds cool. I'm going to download it. And then when they download it, they text three friends and go, yo, check this thing out. This thing is mad interesting. And honestly, like for us, that's the way we'd love to continue growing. Yeah. It's man. I'm just thinking like Japan. Oh yeah. Germany. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, there's so many different pockets. And I do like the fact that it's like connoisseur culture where it's kind of like, if Mm -hmm. you know, you know, so that's still that exclusivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Um, I had a call today with uh, with someone who's a vice president at Warner Music Group, and he was like, oh, I've heard about this from the sneaker community. And I was like, I've never spoken to this dude. I got introduced to him through someone else. And I was just like, really? And he's like, yeah, like when you guys launched, somebody told me about it. And then another person had told me about it. And then I got introduced to you through my friend. And 
all three of those people are from completely different worlds and walks in my life. None of them know each other. And so it's so interesting to hear that it's really just organically been getting there. Mm. Yeah, it's relationship. Um, first of all, with the last two questions before we get out of here, well, for yeah. me, I want to ask, um, number one, um, is Aglet really, is it Gen Z driven and talk about the relationship? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd say the majority of our users are between the ages of 12 and 17. I'd say 85% of them are male uh, based on based mm-hmm. on what we have with being able to tell. Uh, our Discord is another place that's very telling of it. We have a really, really young user base that, and again, like those are the kids that like, they can't go out and buy, even if it's Yeezy drops that aren't like $1,000 shoes, right. $220 plus tax happening every couple weeks. And even that you're fighting against bots to be able to get anything. Like I tried getting the, the unions over the weekend, like shit don't work. Exactly. Like it, I, I've never caught a W on the sneakers app ever, you know, like that's mm-hmm. the worst piece of tech I've ever seen that people just continue to keep using no matter it what. It make you wait. Yo, it's terrible. <laughs> Yo, on the, for the union drop, I was I was I was in line for 53 minutes. I actually counted. And after 53 oh. minutes of sitting at my computer not clicking refresh, I took an L. So, you know, like I think, you know, if if I'm catching all these Ls, like these 12-year-olds are absolutely not only catching L's, but just have no access to it. And so it goes back to what we were speaking about a little bit earlier with this gives them a way to participate in sneaker culture, which they do love to Mm. be able to still discuss it with their friends and to have access to it without being able to actually purchase the stuff. This is so so crazy because literally I can see an artist doing an exclusive drop on Aglet of a virtual sneaker, which is... Yep, having oh, conversations man. to be able to do just that. Man, y'all get Travis Scott, you out of here. Oh man, that would be amazing. Like, Need to get to Trav. He he, I think he wore like some yellow dunks or something like that a couple of weeks ago, and they went from being like ninety dollars to like twelve hundred stockx <laughs> or something like that. Yo, it's crazy. Travis Scott is uh, <clears throat> like, how did he become the sneaker guy? <laughs> I don't know at all. I mean, his his when we launched the app, we gave away a pair of Travis Scott Jordan ones and Travis Scott dunks for like a competition that we put together mm-hmm. and spent crazy money to purchase those shoes for the winner and give them away. And it has been interesting to me that like the person before Travis who'd been super popping was Virgil for everything. But Virgil is at least a designer in some regard. Whereas mm-hmm. Travis, Travis isn't a designer. He's just like, He's a rapper who's like, you know, like none of the, none of the Drake collabs have gone crazy. So it's, you know, and other, I can't even think of other rappers who have put out shoes that have come close to doing the numbers that Travis's do. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. My last question is for our audience. How do you, um, how do you define your role as head of growth? What does that take to be successful at it? And what is your daily activities? multiple 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 hats i mean at a startup there is there's no way to just be like oh well i don't do that uh today i had calls to source hats masks and t-shirts and hoodies which isn't what a head of growth would do but you know it's just stuff that needs to be done i find that in early stage companies titles are there because they sort of need to be but like I do everything uh, for for us. We're from, you know, I've I've run all the communications and press for us. I oversee the social media. I need to start doing more of the digital advertising stuff. 
uh, calls about what we're going to do related to the drops, speak, reaching out to artists, potential partners. Uh, it's, it's literally like everything. And my, my day is usually I wake up in the morning, I make my bed, I meditate, I pray, I journal, I have some coffee, and then I figure out what my schedule is. Uh, right now it's 6.40 in the evening. Today I've had multiple calls starting at 6 a.m. We're a remote first distributed team. So I'm the U.S. We have an intern in Los Angeles, an intern in the Netherlands. The CEO is in Germany. The head of design is in New Zealand. The head illustrator is in Australia. Uh, the head illustrator is in the UK. The head of product is in Australia. Uh, the tech team and the CTO are in Poland. I've never met anybody on the team. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting, like uh, just everything about it is very futurish because, you know, I've been working with these guys for months on phone calls with them all day long. Uh, my Mondays start at 6 a.m. for phone calls because we need a time that works for everyone. Uh, for, for the guy in New Zealand, when I wake up at 6 a.m. to be able to take a call, it's 10 p.m. for him. So there's literally no such thing as a good time. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a lot and it's all the time. It's very, very consuming, all consuming. Wow. wow. It sounds like you built for it, though. You got that stamina. Yeah, uh, man. I don't I know like too it. many, uh, you know, bio majors <laughs> <laughs> only with meds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, I, you were, I love you it. You designed for this. I love um, the hustle. I love the hustle. Yeah. So uh, my last two questions is the, yeah. the first question is um, if you could, if there's a song title, any song title, that can describe your year so far, what would it be? Ooh. Song title, Franz, or just song? Or song. Mm. Justify My Thug. Mm. Yeah. Respect that. Energy. Yeah. Respect it. Just, <laughs> justify My Thug, for sure. And um, the last question is, we asked everybody this, and of course you've answered it with all of your answers, but what drives you? Honestly, I just I just like seeing shit come together. I like, you know, for me taking something that's an idea in my head and then seeing it materialize from a partnership to a piece of press to a piece of content to anything. Mm-hmm. For me, there's just something that's personally fulfilling about that and so like, there's nothing external that drives me. It's all internally motivated. And I think that's why I'm able to keep going. Cause it's not like I want to watch or a car or a boat or anything like that. Like those things are nice, but for me, the satisfaction comes in setting some sort of goal for myself and then attaining that goal. See, that's, that's a great answer. And it actually just like, I find it to be so interesting because, you know, I can, I pretty much can say in, I think you can attest that we're from hip hop culture or whatnot. Mm-hmm. We're lovers of this, uh, yep. of this um, um, phenomenon, which is uh, hip hop. Um, and a lot of it in the early stages was externally driven, right? Like you yeah. want a floss, you want a boss. Yeah. Um, and I felt myself like what you just said, I'm in that transition where I just want to, I want to manifest mm-hmm. my thoughts, my ideas. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, it's transition from just having the material things, um, which I still strive for, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everyone likes nice yeah. things, you know? So, so where did that transition happen for you? Was it just life where you just realized things were just bigger or where, where did that, or were you always like that? 
No, nah, it definitely wasn't always like that. I, I used to, when I was a little bit younger, was flossing a lot. Uh, honestly, it's just been in the last couple of years, uh, my parents have been really sick uh, and and just dealing dealing with that has really made me ask myself, and, it, and it's brought financial issues with it as well when both your parents who are sole providers end up getting sick out of nowhere and the income discrepancies that come about because of it. Uh, and then also just really asking myself, like, why, um, why am I buying these things? Why do I want these things? Like, mm. do I want a Rolex because I like a Rolex? Or do I want a Rolex because a Rolex confers status to others? Do I want other people seeing me have a Rolex? Uh, or do I feel good because I'm wearing a Rolex and other people that are rich wear Rolexes? And and when I started asking myself those questions and I kept finding answers that had to do with other people, you know, it was like, it was being like, I want a Rolex because it's going to make me feel successful because people I see as successful wear Rolexes, but I don't need a Rolex to be successful. And when I started thinking like, I don't care if people see me as successful, I just want to feel successful. I want to be successful, you know? And when I like went down that line of thought, I was just like, I'm doing all of these things for other people because if you get a Rolex and no one sees it, it's sort of like that question where people ask, uh, like I've had, I've had this question asked to me from multiple people is if you could, uh, would you rather, what is it? Would you be, would you rather sleep with the hottest girl in the world and have no one ever find out? Or would you not want to sleep with her and have everyone think you did? And it sounds really random, but mm -hmm. A lot of people I've seen give the answer of they would rather people think that they did. Mm. And to me, it's, it's sort of analogous in that like people want to be seen as successful. I would rather just be successful. And being successful doesn't mean that I have to have people think or see that I'm successful. If anything, it's made me much more muted in everything. Like I don't want people to see I have anything. I don't want people to know I have anything. Mm -hmm. Like, especially in the society we're going into, like they're going to start eating the rich soon. And I'm by no means rich. I'm broke. But if I do get to that kind of status, I'm more than happy to just be as low key as possible. Mm. Great yeah. answer. There it is. There it I, is. I, I, and I definitely I think we can leave it there. Is it yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for, first of all, yo, congratulations on the enormity of your success so far in terms of your journey and just being, just being able to actualize yeah. is a, a level that a lot of people don't ever get to. So shout out super, to you for that. Super man. proud of you, brother. I've been, um, Thank you, man. Thank you. I've been following your journey for a little while now. We, since we connected, um, yeah. in Alley all those years ago, man. Yep. So, and then, you know, obviously the, you know those days in the building you know what i mean mm -hmm. absolutely to, to the rock and everybody and all that but um yeah man um super proud of you know all the moves we've made bro it's very inspiring appreciate you appreciate you it was a pleasure speaking to y'all awesome like we always say at this time stay driven y'all stay driven <laughs> <laughs>